I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ride List. Download the app on your iPhone and find great deals on gear from like-minded individuals, people who ride. It's fast, easy, and free. Ride List. Download it today. The Boardroom International Surfboard Show, presented by U.S. Blanks, is coming to the Del Mar Fairgrounds May 4th and 5th of 2019. This year, honoring Wayne Lynch in the Icons of Foam shape-off. If you're interested in exhibiting, go to boardroomshow.com. Surfstoke, frothing, an overwhelming elation for riding waves, spiked by my last surf session and accompanied with an excitement bordering sometimes on anxiety regarding my next surf session. As a young surfer, these moments compounded upon each other. Before I knew it, my entire life was, and sadly sometimes still is, seen through the prism of what I like to call surf determinism. It's not a bad thing, but like almost everything in life, too much of it can be detrimental. Surf determinism can overwhelm my better judgment and obscure me from my core beliefs family, friends, goals, and accountability. Worst of all, at least for me, it can obscure me from a higher power, something bigger than me and bigger than surfing. And when surfing becomes my God, it is not good. The waves were sick and the bros were ripping. I can gab along this rather shallow topic line with the best of them. It's fun and easy. It's second nature. However, I really appreciate it when the guests on this podcast go deeper. Damien Hobgood is a great surfer. Damien Hobgood is an even greater person. And Damien Hobgood goes deep. The Boardroom Podcast with Damien Hobgood. All right, Damien Hobgood, welcome to the Boardroom Show Podcast. Damien Hobgood, pro surfer. Good morning, guys. How you doing, boss? I'm doing really good. What have you been up to, Scott? I'm just like... <laughs> you know was... what? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure people really want to hear from me, but I can answer your question. I, I have two college-age kids and, um, and a beautiful wife and a dog, and I surf and play golf and try to keep the bills paid, sort of like you. This sounds like a, an amazing life. The only thing is I'm kind of like just... 
maybe like 10 years behind. So I got the the 12, 9, and 3-year-old. Radical. Um, but beautiful family. Uh, yeah, really blessed. You know, I still get to go surf. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, really growing up a lot. I guess maybe. Uh, Boys, girls? Uh, the oldest is a girl, boy, and then the youngest is a girl. Radical. Yeah. So, you got your hands full. You're right in the middle of it all. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, just the twelve-year-old's still probably not yet telling you to piss off. Yeah, pretty close. She's she's you know she's right in that where she's kind of battling like, am I in a am I like a teenager yet or am I still a little girl? So sometimes yeah. I get it when she thinks she's a teenager. Yeah. Um, well, you got a you got a big plate ahead of you. That's going to be exciting for you and your wife. To, Three beautiful children growing into adulthood. Yeah, and then um, and me trying to grow into adulthood myself. That's an interesting segue, actually, because later on in my line of questioning, and I'm just going to get to it right now, because what fascinates me about professional surfers is act two, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, think about it. It's 2012 or 2013. You're pretty much off the tour at this time and you're kind of going help me lord exactly what do i do you know like i've got i mean i'm just anticipating i'm a, i'm suggesting that there must have been a lot of anxiety like i see it in myself like what am i going to do i'm not working at surfer magazine anymore what am i going to do yeah. and i imagine it must be difficult for pro surfers such as yourself with a new family and and not really sure where the income's coming from what was that like yeah, it's um I'm really glad you asked that cuz I'm I uh I kind of really enjoy talking about that and um there's not you know there's not really too many kind of handbooks or I didn't really kind of notice anyone that I could really like talk to about it, you know, cuz in the end so like like right when you get off tour it's basically like a midlife crisis at a young age. You know, cuz you're like, "Oh, you know, I was 35." And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, what is this? So I think the first stage was me just like really kind of going through that identity crisis was, um, you know, because when you're a a professional athlete, you know, even though I was like I had Jesus Christ in my life and I was, you know, and I am a Christian, I didn't realize how much identity I had wrapped up in professional surfing. Um and when it was taken away, I, I uh, was like, wow, this is really weird. Like, I I, uh, I don't really have any, like, why do I need to wake up? I'm not really, I, I aimed at a target my whole life, you know, to, to be the best surfer I could be. But now it doesn't even matter anymore. Like, what do I, what am I doing? Like, what am I aiming for? And And so then, yeah, I was like getting through that and really like going, you know. And, and then the next step on that is like, you're you're kind of like you have like a performance addiction because basically you're like if i go perform and do good people go yeah you did really good and and you know that was awesome and and that's what makes you feel good and you're like and you gotta go like you really gotta you know start digging deep and being like well wow like look i have an issue here you know a lot of times that like performance addiction will turn into like an affirmation addiction so then you gotta get like you have this like affirmation kind of like that you're not getting anymore. And then a lot of times you'll go to your wife for it. And like no, no person can really like, 
affirm you anymore. So just really a lot of all like the insecurities, a lot of things that like really deep, really come to the surface, you know? Yeah, it's fascinating. It's it's like um, for a long time, your ego is sort of taking center stage and our egos do that, you know, like, and you know, that acronym edging God out, you know, totally. Like, and so you wake up one morning and you're like, I'm not getting that anymore. Like I have no goal. Mm-hmm. And, and it must have been really comforting to have a faith that you could rely on. It, I mean, it was, but it's, it was still really hard. Yeah. Like still like really Would you hard. wake up in the middle of the night just going, Oh my God, where's my next paycheck coming from? Like that, like, was there financial fear or was it more, the fear was more about, um, being in the limelight affirmation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first stage for me was, um, not financial so much. It was more personal. Um, just because I did kind of like go, okay, I know the fire in my heart to do this tour is not here anymore. It's probably going to be like a couple years and I'm going to like exit, you know? And so I was like, okay, let's, what was that? Like 2010 or something? 2011? I can't even remember. But a couple years before you actually exited. Yeah. It just was like the fire wasn't there. And I was like, man, I don't really. So I kind of just, you know, I still loved it. I mean, it's the best job in the world. Yeah. But I felt like the fire wasn't there. I wasn't going to be able to compete. I wasn't going to like, I wasn't going to be like spitting blood to like, to compete with these guys. And so then I just was like, okay, like let's get all the expenses down Let's all the debt, everything, like, let's just try to, like, make the most semi-cushionish, cushion landing as I could. Right. Um, for my whole family. And uh, Where did you get that insight? Was that internal or was that from your family, your brother? Like, that's pretty smart is what I'm saying. And maybe that's just all it is. It's simple common sense. Yeah. I mean, to me, I thought it was kind of common sense. Um, but then yet, like, it was you know, the financial side has always been really hard for me because my parents have never had money. Um, so they've never really been able to like help kind of, kind of father me in the sense of like, Hey, look, this is how you budget money. This is how you do things. It was kind of like, Hey, look, we can kind of help you, but we've never had money ourselves. We don't really know what to do. So, um, you know, with that, I blew a lot of money and, and, um, I learned the hard way, Yeah, you know? So it was, it was kind of more just kind of learning the hard way and just going, gosh, like, I think mainly the thing was, I think mainly here the main thing was, is like, I didn't want to force my wife or myself into something that I that I didn't want to do um, because I was financially in stress. It was like, I didn't want to go get a job that like, wasn't on my heart, wasn't my passion to go do, yeah. but a lot of times we'll do stuff that because it's just straight survival. And so we have to go in that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I don't want to do that. So that's kind of the main reason why I did do all set all that stuff up was, was on that premise. Well, you mentioned your parents and I'm interested in your upbringing as a young Mm -hmm. man, a young kid really in Florida, right? Melbourne or satellite beach, satellite beach, satellite beach. Where is that relative to like, it's like Cocoa just, Beach. just below Cocoa. We have Cocoa Beach and then there's an Air Force base. Right. And then you have Satellite Beach. So it's really close. Yeah. It's like a 15 minute drive. Right. Basically- that's sort of the hotbed of Central Florida surfing, isn't it? Like within, you know, 20 miles each way. Yeah. 
kind of. It seemed like it was kind of maybe the most, probably from New Smyrna to Sebastian Inlet. Uh, but, it, you know, definitely that area had pretty consistent waves. Water is pretty warm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't exactly know why, but yeah. And your your parents, what did they do for work? What was your dad doing for a living when you yeah. were five, six, seven, eight, ten my years old? My dad was a dental technician, and my mom was a nurse. Right. So they both super hard workers, um, sacrificed like crazy amount to like kind of facilitate our dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, Grandma always came over and cooked. They, they left early, got home late. Um, but yeah, it was never like, I never felt like I was, I never missed them or they weren't there for me. Um, yeah, just really like hardworking, blue collar um, family. And, and did you play other sports as a kid? Like, were you like a T-ball, little league football kid, UNCJ, or was it? Um, but we did do soccer. Soccer didn't last that long. And then we did um, football, I mean, uh, baseball. And um, yeah, it didn't, that last till about seventh grade. And then I really wanted to do football. But my dad got injured pretty bad playing football. And he like, I don't know if he saw there was something maybe in surfing. He never told me, but it was like, and he never really like said like, don't do anything. But he just—I remember him going, "Gosh, man, if there's one sport I would like you maybe like to wait on or not, or if you can try to do something else, like I really don't want you to do football." Yeah. Um, so I ended up not doing it. How did he get hurt? What What was his injury? Just basic. He knee, just got his knee, knee crap, yeah. knee blown out. Yeah. 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 And so. I imagine in say I'm going to say like 1992, 93, you're just looking at Kelly Slater and just going, this guy is the, the the real deal as a young Florida surfer. Yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of weird though. Cause I was kind of, kind of so caught up in the love of surfing mm-hmm. that nothing really like it, it kind of was like, Oh yeah, he's like, Oh, this great surfer. And, but it's, it was like, I was still almost in my own little bubble of like, you're just stoked. Yeah. Exploring surfing and just in like, if it was there, you notice it, but it never, I, it wasn't quite at that right. age. It wasn't like a fanboy or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. And it wasn't even like, I was really didn't even look at that many magazines or, or, but then when I'd say I did get a little older and he was already on tour, then I kind of realized what you were saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and was that like 95, 96, 97, something like that? I think that was his like second year on tour, so whenever that was. It was like when he was like in France competing against Elko, uh-huh. and he was like the hot young kid, and yeah. there was still like Potts and everyone trying to like, yeah. Kern was still doing it. Yeah, I want to say that was like 93 or 94. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I have here in my notes that in 1995, Damien Hobgood won the... Um, East Coast NSSA Juniors Division. You were the champion of the Juniors Division in 95. And then in 96, you placed third in the World Surfing Games, the Juniors Division. Uh-huh. So I'm imagining you were probably like 15 or 16 at this point. And, yep. and I specifically remember I was in an editorial meeting at Surfer Magazine mm-hmm. and Rob Gilly came in. 
we used to have these slideshows, you know, like divine and whoever would set up slideshows and we'd all sit there and they'd go through uh-huh. them and they would comment and they would show p- photos of Damien Hopgood and CJ Hopgood. And, uh-huh. and Gilly was like, these two kids from Florida are frigging charge. These are, this was from a Hawaii trip. It uh, might've yeah. been your first season in Hawaii, but there, he was specifically called you guys out and go watch out for these two guys. Like they were charging. Uh-huh. Like I've never seen guys charge or as good as, guys that charge like they're hungry you know like uh-huh. he, i re- specifically remember that so i'm interested in what was your first season on the north shore like and was there this um was there tension and competitiveness between you and your brother about being char being like chargers there or were you just like let's go yeah it was really just like let's go you know i think we had the premise is like i can't believe we're kids from florida and we're in hawaii right now and tomorrow's not guaranteed. We might never see these waves again. This company that sent us over here, who knows, dude? They might like, <laughs> they might never want to, who knows what they're going to do. We're just like, dude, we got to take advantage of this. We might never see something like this ever in our life again. And it's going to be really hard to fly home on that plane if we don't go t- taste this. And that's kind of just our premise. And it was like, it wasn't even, it was just kind of like, it, it was more out of desire than it was like anything else. Right. You were just, it seems like there's like a, already just through talking to you here the last 15 minutes, there's just this overriding surf stoke that sort of was the blinders. And it was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. Kelly's over there, whatever. And, you know, like it was just, you guys were sincerely stoked on surfing, like really, really stoked. Exactly. Yeah. That first trip to Hawaii, how did it come about? You mentioned a company. Did yeah, it was. I think it was Rusty, and they were just like, "Hey, let's let's send these guys." I think we had done a Fiji trip, and they were kind of stoked on our Fiji trip and how he went. And they're like, "Let's get him to Hawaii." Is this like PT or something? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we stayed with uh, Darren Brillhard, and it was like, you know. Um, we stayed at Mark Fu's house in Waimea Bay. We could see outside alligators. We could see where, you know, Chester was surfing out there. And, um, uh, you know, we went out at the bay. Now, obviously not like giant days, but it was like, it was uh, it was a really cool time. You know? How's that, paddling out at Waimea Bay for your first year on the North Shore? Again, were you just blinders on, surf stoke, whatever? Or did you have any of the sort of the... You know, the the dogma that the bay sort of, you know, that whole kind of like maybe scary aura. Yeah, it was more just like we had the opportunity. Someone's like, hey, look, the wind's not that good. But like, look, the bay's breaking today, you know. And we're like, oh, my gosh, like I can't believe we're here and this place is breaking. And we got boards. We can go out there, you know. And uh, and it was Darren Brillhart, actually. And he's like, yeah, let's 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 do it. You know, I was like, we're like, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> You know, and then we just, and we blazed. And it was just, you know, one of those moments that you just kind of never forget, you yeah. know, and you didn't even really like, you know, even, even back in those, you know, I mean, I remember just getting pipe days when it was just like my brother and a couple friends and somehow we just like rocked up on the beach and my co was out and like serving second reef, but he, and we were like, oh my gosh, he's out. It must be doable. Let's go out, going out. And then. And really just 
you know, just really not that, not really anyone else out. It's like, I know it's really hard for you to believe that. No, no. I was just thinking it was, it was like pre Wolfpack era. There was this gap of like 10 years. Yeah. You know, maybe it was be- after the momentum guys, but there was, it seemed like there was this gap where there was, it was, it's like a, a moment that didn't really have a stamp on it. Yeah. You know? And, um, yeah, we just had some moments like that, and it was like kind of you know before the internet and swell calling, and it was just like you just show up, and it was like if you were there at the right time, and you just waited around all day, and the conditions came together, like people weren't going to know about it for like a few hours. Yeah, you know, um, so that those were some really cool moments for me. Those days are gone, I guess, with the internet, right? Yeah, you know, but. uh there's still other places out there. Oh yeah, you know so. where? No, I just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the funny thing is, half the time it's right underneath your nose. Yeah, you know, and uh, and even going back to the old places, you know, people that overlooked and ah, that place was, you know, we used to rode that in the '80s. You know, that place ain't that good. You know, and then all of a sudden everyone's going to all these new places, and then you're like, hey, let me just circle back around. That's a good call. You know, uh, yeah. I did that for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, like we were talking about earlier, is like for me, it's really, uh, really kind of like, di- I don't know if it's like, it's like kind of dying to the surf addiction, or um, really like, or so you could kind of categorize it that, or or it's like me falling back in love with surfing, because um, when you when I when I got off tour. I only came at surfing with what it could do for me. Like, okay, if I go here, get this swell, sponsors will be stoked, maybe I get the ride of my life, maybe I do this. Like, so it was it was all an exchange, you know, and and with that exchange, you 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 just it's like a you're just bargaining. It's like a bargain. You're trying to like manipulate something, you know, and I was like really realize that like dude that ain't love that's like that's just a, like an exchange and uh and i really feel realize that like hey look to really fall in love back in surfing again you're gonna have to stop doing this you're gonna have to come with like well what can i give back to surfing or what like hey look if i just have the opportunity to go to seaside and get a couple waves or look just the opportunity arose that i got to go somewhere and just like really enjoying it and really never like thinking like, Hey, whatever, like, Lord, like, thanks for this opportunity that I get to do this. Whatever happens outside of this realm is going to be really cool. You know, even if I just get to be there and watch someone get a crazy ride. Um, and really just kind of, and even if I go there and can help someone else out. Right. And, uh, so it's really just been like trying to fall back in love with surfing Right, so it's 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 as if you took it from a self-centered viewpoint to a service viewpoint. How can I be of service to yeah. you, Lord? A hundred percent. And I think we we do that in all aspects of our life. You know, I kind of realize, like, look, dude, I kind of like. So you like you get this crazy blessing, like, look, dude, you're gonna be a professional server. I'll, I know you have this dream in your heart, and I will, I will honor this and i will give this to you and then all of a sudden you're like so you're like oh thank you lord like how killer is this but then within that you kind of take control of it it becomes your god 
and all of a sudden now surfing's like it's calling all the shots and i'm in there's no all of a sudden something that was such a blessing now i've kind of like took advantage of it distorted it distorted it. you know and i and i we do that i think we do that you know i, I noticed that hey look i look i was doing that with my wife like even like Oh, well, you know, what can she give me? You know, right. instead of going like, well, how, no, how can I serve her? How can I be a service to her? Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, really just getting off tour, just really kind of like really realizing all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and then the cool thing, realizing like, hey, look, through pain and actually like tough times, like I can actually learn so much. Yeah. You know, because like as surfers, we live this such like a, a fairy tale kind of world, you know, and we'll like, we're able to set up like, set up like a kingdom where we're like, we don't allow any pain or any really like gnarly struggle to happen. And so we don't really like, we don't allow like that kind of knowledge that we have to like go into our hearts and really understand. And, um, and yeah, that's what I had. I had like this, I mean, look, dude, it was just like a fairy tale a little what I was like surfing and all of a sudden now I'm a professional surfer. Like I could throw money at anything. There's yeah. a problem over there. You throw some money at it. That'll like, you know, that'll fix it. Yeah. You know? And then you kind of just realize you're like, dude, I'm just like an enabler and I'm just like. Do you think to, you have to be sort of myopic and, and very self-centered and very goal-oriented and driven to be a successful professional surfer. I mean, those do those things, you can't, they're, they're mutually exclusive. You can't do both. You, but, you, but the trick is, is to finding that balance. Because when Who you... Who has be, done that? Do you know of anybody that's done that? Do you think you yeah, did that on tour? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know he's done an amazing, amazing job. Maybe the best I've ever seen, Joel Parkinson. Oh, interesting. How so? Can you elaborate a little bit? Well, can, if you can watch how he's how he's been there for his family, mm-hmm. but he's committed himself to one hundred percent to surfing, and and if you watch a lot of things he does, is a lot of give back. You know, um, you know, Mick Fanning was kind of the same way, you know, but like Joe Parkins, kind of on a whole nother level because when, as you know, when you have a wife and you have kids. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes along with keeping that unit together. Yeah. And um, he was able to do it. He was the only one who won a world title with three kids and a wife. Do you think it's a situation where at first for Joel it was difficult, but as soon as he let go of the concept of being myopic and being self-centered on tour and just being this all about me and honey, fix it, damn it. I don't know. Can't you see I'm in a heat in three yeah, days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as he let go of that, it all came back to him. That's life, right? Letting go and letting God, right? Exactly. As soon as you strangle it. Yeah, we gotta surrender and die to things like every day, you know, and uh and I really just he, this podcast is turning into quite a God talk, I got to say. Well, you know, I think when you get me on, it might happen. Hey, I'm a believer. I'm oh, down. Cool. I'm I'm all about it. I, yeah. have no, I have no shame in saying hallelujah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah and I just, and, and I, and, and I, and I kind of just talk for my life. I love know? this. This and is good. And so, I don't really. Let me ask you this. Yeah. What does God look like to Damien Hopgood? When you pray, do you have a vision? Do you have like. Yeah, that's I, a, I do, which is why I'm asking you. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a really good question. And, um, 
and it's cool that you asked you asked about my father and my like family because a lot of times we'll get actually our view of God from our earthly father of what our heavenly father looks like and a lot of times it kind of can get you know a lot of our dads might have not lived up what we were hoping you know but a lot of times like i realize like my job as a father is only to usher my kids in to seeing their heavenly father and that's what my main goal is as a father and my dad did an unreal job at that so my father you know you know i, I look at my father and then i can really look at scripture look at the bible and really look at look at what he's done in my life and what he's done in in every man's life you know and really just and so and so i guess what i'm getting at is do my god's really really big <laughs> and there's nothing that he can't do and his love is like you can't even you can't even um i can't even i can't even understand it yeah. I can't even fathom it. Yeah. You know, and uh and really just realizing going like how cool is it that he he created all this stuff to point to him. Like, why do you think why do you think surfing hit so deep? Why do you think fishing hit so deep? Does fishing hit deeper than surfing? Any time you're in God's creation. It's going to go deeper than anything man can do, than anything man can create. Right. And why do you think it's like when people fall in love with serving, they don't even understand it. It's right. so deep. Right. Because you're out in his playground. Yeah. Why do you think people like eat, sleep, drink, fishing, and like they can't understand this like creature? That's so elusive, but so there, but where did it go? And it was supposed to do this and it was biting this last week, but now it's not. And it's like, dude, that's his creation. Like it's supposed to have you in awe. So catching the fish or catching the wave isn't really the end result. I mean, it's the end result, but it's the journey rather than the end result. That is where you might find some spirituality. It's just there. To, to point to him. It's there to take you deeper and go, look, look how cool this is. Yeah. This is just something. Look at this sunset. Yeah. I make a different sunset every evening. Like, why do people love sunsets? Okay, they don't like looking at the, like, you might see the Empire State Building one time and you're like, okay, that was kind of cool, you know, or Eiffel Tower, like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, but like, people go to the, go to the beach and watch the sunset like every day and like, look how cool it was tonight and, yeah. And really, I just understand, like, well, like, anything God makes hits really deep. But yeah. Anything that man makes doesn't have that, like, deep, deep kind of tug on your heart. Right. And uh, and I never understood that, realize, you know? And I even look at, like, you know, these wave pools. They're the, they're the raddest things. Like, look at this, you know? But people are like, but it's just a wave pool and it's not this. I'm like... Yeah, but just enjoy it. Anything that man makes will never compare to what God can make. You know? Have, so, you, have you surfed the wave pool, Kelly's? I haven't. What about Waco? I surfed Waco. It was really fun. Did you surf the, the 
the one that you see on YouTube, the barrel section, and the one that they turn on for the pros? Did you, I'm sure you got yeah, that. Yeah, we served it all, and the Kelly one looks amazing, and I think it's so cool what he did, and people are really enjoying themselves, and I don't really have any bad thing to say about it. Well, of course not. But I'm just going to say that it's never going to touch deep down <laughs> in your heart like what God can do. I think Kelly would agree with you. <laughs> Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What about... Austin. Have you surfed in Austin, Texas? I haven't. Is Waco the only pool? I'm sure you've surfed Orlando. Yeah, I surfed Orlando, yeah. Typhoon Lagoon in Orlando and Waco. Uh No wave garden in Europe? No. Never been out there? Nah. You know, if I get invited, like, killer. Yeah. You know, I'm super stoked, but I don't really, like, you know, I don't really... You're not jonesing for it? Yeah, I try not to let... I try not to let surf dictate my life. Yeah. Um, well, at the beginning of the conversation, I was asking you about act two for Damien Hobgood. And it was my, I assumed through some of the media that I took in that, that you were going to launch, uh, onto the big wave world tour and be a real force there. That's, you know, so I love that question because I kind of looked back and was like, so I kind of had that question. I was like, yeah, this is like amazing. Like, I love it. It's, it's so rad. But like, am I like, can I not die to this addiction? Like, am I so entrenched in it that like I stepped away from the world tour and I realized like I couldn't live without it. 
so let me go into this part right. where I can get even more affirmation, even more, look, Damien, you're killing it, um, even more, like, away from my family. Like, they served me for a long time, and I felt like, you know what, like, well, I, like, as a man growing up, like, I got to start serving them. Like, I got to be there for them. I can't keep, like, I can't keep going back to this, like. Do they ever circle back to you and say, yeah, but this is who you are, Dad. This is this is who you are, Damon. You're, you're a professional surfer. At least you could still do it for the next five years on the Big Wave World Tour and, and continue to um, provide for us or be there and support us like you never have before. In other words, this is who you are. I mean, this is how God made you. And, I mean, did that conversation ever go down? No, they never did. No, they never did. But they did kind of say that. But, you know, and even my wife said that, but I was just like, nah, like, I don't feel the Lord's tugging me in this direction anymore. Like, he's actually tugging me to go, hey, look, you actually want to be the godly man that you want to be? I want you to lay it all down, and I want you to go serve your family. You yeah, know? yeah. Mother Teresa said this. She said, yes. What she say? She said, "You want to change the world." World peace starts at home. She, well, she said, "She goes, you want to change the world, go home and love your family." Yeah, amen. Yeah. And so I was kind. Of, that was that. Uh, that really kind of resonated with me, you know. And and that's basically what I've been doing since I've been off the tour. And but with that, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um. So. Do you think that I'm going to change bases? Is that a phrase? Change bases? Yeah, whatever. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Switch gears. Switch gears. Thank you. Uh, do you think that Floridians are are hungrier, especially when you were coming up through the tour? Do you think Floridians are hungrier than Californians? That maybe Californians have it too easy. That we had the magazines here. We had Flame and all the guys right here and. And, the, and and it seemed like the NSSA was here, and of course the so-called surf industry was centered here. And did that create a chip on Floridians or even all of East Coast surfers' shoulders? Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't know. I mean, maybe some people was a chip, but I just. Um, I think. Um, maybe for me, it was just more of like, "Hey, look, I love surfing so much." And this is the best way I can do what I love the most is become a professional surfer. So to me, it was more of like, like, I got to do this. I got to pull this off. Yeah. Like, you weren't even thinking like that. You That stoke that we talked about that's like a theme throughout your surf career was just blinders on stoke. Yeah. And I, and I think when that desire of just really like loving surfing or anything you do, actually, um, the fruit in that is, you know, a long career. Uh, no matter what happens, like, you're, you get through those hard times because of that desire and love will bring you through that, you know, because there's always going to be tough times and you're always going to do that. But, like, when you truly have that, it's just like, I mean, like, like, uh, I love using like Chris Ward as an example. Um, the guy loves surfing so much 
that with all his faults and all his, yeah, I'll say maybe like demons he battles, he will still wake up in the morning. I don't care where he's at, what ended the night before, he somehow finds a way to the beach and he surfs and he loves it, you know. And I was driving down the the 101 the other day and I was like, looked at him and I was like, Chris Ward, he didn't have enough money to park at this lot. So he went up the road and did the walk back. Dude, I just whipped the car over, gave him a big, big old hug. And like, Chris, it's so good to see you. You know, and it's like, but it was that, it's that love that like had him transcend so many things in his life. Um, so yeah. And look, look at Kelly, dude. The guy loves serving. He's like, he doesn't need to be looking at swells. He doesn't need to be like, but like, there's some crazy swell, like he'll be there just because of like the love he has for the sport. And I think that's where like I always try to say like just have that desire and love like with whatever you do because then it's just going to carry you through like because there's always going to be those hard days. Do you identify as a surfer or do you like – guess what I'm getting at is you, you mentioned Chris, you mentioned Kelly, and I think of even my own life. At some point, surfing was almost a ball and chain. Like it dictated where I lived, what school I went to, who I married, why I did things that I did. Mm-hmm. And you start to go, why, why can't I live in Idaho? Idaho's beautiful. And I can't because I'm a surfer because I got this Jones. Well, because that's, what I, that's what I guess what I was saying in the beginning where it's right. just like, hey, look, I need to stop having this addiction run my life. I need to be What did you to... do? How did you stop? Did you stop? I don't sense that you stopped. You just started fishing instead. <laughs> um I wouldn't say but but then I don't mean like stop. I, I don't mean like you mean internally driving you. It uh, needs I to mean, be a, a service rather than a for yeah, myself. Thing. Exactly like you know like Fall. I guess what I said was fall in love with it again, you know, and like, um, you know, so uh, I don't mean like stop, you know, like I don't mean like, oh, stop. But like you got to come at it the right way. Yeah. Like you got to stop coming at it this way. Like um, that's what I talked about earlier. And I think that's how like, um, you know, which which we could do that a lot of things in our lives, you know, something that's so good we can like, you know kind of distort it and just like well once you start worshiping it then then that's just it that's what we're worshiping and that isn't really what i i want to worship in my life exactly and i think i think for me it was really just realizing like well like look i have serving in front of god i have my wife in front of god and i even kind of noticed i had my kids in front of god well like how can you ever hear what he's saying? How can you ever hear what he wants to do in your life if you have all these false idols in front of him? He can't He can't bless him. He can't do anything. And it was so me was just really going, okay, I'm going to, even though I thought I had you first, I didn't really have you first. Like I had all these things that I love so much first and I had you behind them and you couldn't bless those when I did that. And so just kind of really realigning those things. And then I felt like once I, once I've been able to read, and it's a, it's a daily thing, you know, once I've been able to realign those things, then he's able to go killer, dude. I didn't even want you to stop surfing. 
actually gonna like take your surfing like way further than you ever thought or i'm gonna take it over in this direction i'm gonna do this but i needed you to get my perspective instead of your perspective well god's will be done instead of damien's will or scott's will be done exactly and so it's i don't mean like quit isn't like stop doing it but i mean it's like hey stop making it your god but could you quit surfing i could yeah but now i could would you be uncomfortable with it would you feel like a part of your life was missing um no but the only thing that i would feel would be kind of missing was i feel like you know the lord brings you through this journey and he brings you through these this whole this whole life really so you come back and give it all back you know and i do feel that hey look he's brought me through this to like bring it back and serve these guys, serve yeah. these younger yeah, kids absolutely. and serve surfing. And so I don't really think that he would like totally abandon his whole work that he's been doing. Yeah. Um, so I would say like, I don't think he's going to do that, but right. like if he wanted to, cause he had like some crazy other, I'd be like, yeah, killer. Right. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just what it is, you know? Yeah. It's just, Oh, it kind of made me run on that thought is like, why do you think guys like loves like spear fishing? Why do you think like Shane Doran's gotten into like hunting and all that stuff? Like everyone's wondering. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. It, it, it's this big, beautiful creation that we get to be in the splendor. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it touches deep and like, I understand why all those guys want to do that. Yeah. You know, like, of course they want to be out with like this crazy thousand pound animal that he made. And somehow it's just like, you, it's so elusive, but it's so pretty, and it's just like, it, it, it's just, you Do know. any of your kids get caught up in video games? Do you find yourself sometimes going, it's beautiful down on the beach. What are you doing playing video games? Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, and you got to, you know, my only my only my son likes it. He likes Fortnite. And, uh, but yeah, it's just like, you got to get him. And it, a lot of times they'll be kicking and screaming. Yeah, I don't want to go. I don't, I don't, my daughter loves surfing, so that's easy. But um, you know, I'll be like, "Hey, let's go to the beach," and he'll be like, "No, I don't want to go to the beach." And I'm like, "Well, we're going as a family, so you got to go." And then, of course, like when we're leaving, he's like, "I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go." You know. <laughs> but it's been cool. I haven't. He loves fishing oh. and he loves snorkeling. Oh, cool! And so, like, my thing is, my thing was like, you know, because I, I really want to like meet my kids where they're at yeah not where i'm at right. and i noticed i i was doing that doing that and yeah. so i'm like cool what do you want it, he obviously dude he loves guns he loves like you know i'll take him like bb gun. i went yesterday i took him and he's like dad i want to i want to practice my bb gun shooting i'm like killer let's go you where know, do you guys do that just like little canyon <laughs> and just set up some cans and you know, I like teach him how to like aim and uh, some Encinitas Canyon. You guys are just in there with guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no BB guns. So it wasn't like real guns. I know. I'm just but um, but then when we go to the beach, I'm like, dude, let's go snorkeling. He loves snorkeling. I'm like, dude, once you get good at snorkeling, then we're gonna get the spear gun, dude. We're gonna start. We're gonna spear some fish that we want to eat. You know. Yeah. And then the other day, I was like lobster diving, and I took him like, let's go lobster diving. I'm like, I'll show you how to catch these things, and he just loves it. Yeah, you know, and so like, that's kind of like where his thing's at. So um, I just try to like meet him there and 
and uh, and not be like, you got to surf. Why aren't you surfing? Yeah. What are you doing? I sometimes cringe when I see parents with their like six month old kid on their board and just like, what the hell, man? Yeah. That, it just doesn't seem right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a little different, but you know, and, but then the funny thing is with my daughter, I'd kind of been the, you know, like not pushing her and she'd be like, dad, like show up to me like, dad, we got to go surf. What are you doing? Like, you got to take me surfing. Dad, there's this surf club at my school. You got to take me every, you got to take me Monday and Wednesday. And and I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, like super stoked. But then I just kind of play it cool. Just like, yeah, is that what you want to do? Like, yeah, I think I could take you. I think I could do that, you know? And, yeah, kind of drop her off and bail, and then she'd be like, "Dad, why don't you stay and surf? Oh, you really want to stay and surf? Like, oh, I could probably do that." Yeah, you know, uh, kind of let her, let God show her like the adventure, and let her like, yeah, you know. And if she wants me there, I'll be there, but not like, like create her own path. You know, like you don't want to walk on my on my shoes. Like that ain't gonna teach you nothing. Yeah, um, I used to tell my son that. I was going to the beach and he wasn't allowed to go. Good. He would just flip. Yeah, I want to get him to go. Like, yeah, I'd be like, yeah. You know, I even do something like, like, like I'm just, I need some little time to myself and like, I'm kind of not like, right. You know, I'm just going to go for a quick surf by myself and then, and then we can go or so, you know, and, and, and kind of understanding like, hey, look, there's also this like competitive part of surfing, you know, like these people like that want to do good, but there's also this other like spiritual part that like people go out there. And to, like, get a lot of stuff off their chest and, like, really kind of have it as, like, a release, you know? And so, like, I know, like, maybe my kid just wants to surf just to do that. And that's totally fine with me. But, you know, and then but maybe they want to just be comp- – maybe they want to be really competitive about it. Like, okay, I'll be there for you that with that. Um, you know, when we come in from surfing, we're we're usually just stoked. And, mm-hmm. and we, you and I have talked about it a little bit. Why is that? What is it? And we mentioned the spiritual aspect of it. And that's a huge part of it. I often sometimes think that subconsciously people don't realize that they just went into, they entered the food chain and they came out successful. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about it like that? Like, like the reason people are like, I love surfing and they're drying off and stuff. It's like, yeah, you just survived. <laughs> yeah. I think at times there's, you know, that could be a one component for sure. Yeah. It's a small one. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I think, and I think, you know, with you saying that is, is overcoming the fear, you know, and when, and to overcome fear, you have to have faith. Absolutely. You know, and so when, when faith enters, fear has to flee. And so when you, what you're talking about, so when you have that faith aspect come into play to be able to enjoy doing what you want to do when you step out of that the feeling's good like hey look my faith was big enough that i overcame that you know my overcame my fear of of whatever the sharks or what and actually you know what the fear was my faith was so good that i actually saw a shark just cruise by and i actually enjoyed it i actually was like wow look at that crazy creature it could tear me apart like no worries but like it doesn't want me you know Hopefully I'm not mistaken identity, but like it doesn't really want me. I can actually like enjoy this. You know, fear is so easy for all of us to understand. A lot of us are driven. Many times in my life, I'm I'm driven by fear, and faith to me is so abstract. Like, what does that even mean? 
Faith. What is that? It's like this thing, you know, fear. Okay, I get it. I'm afraid of that yeah, shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faith is like, and so I'm wondering, what is faith? How does faith manifest itself? And of course, I know the answer to this, but I'm wondering yeah. what your thoughts are on this. How does faith man? Yeah. yeah like how does it take the place of fear? How does it fill the void or, or push fear out? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I mean, well, f- gosh, it means, uh, it's, it's definitely a complex type thing. I don't even almost even know how to like straight tackle it. I guess I could just tackle it from my life Yeah. in my, in my thing is like a lot of times, like, well, just say like, we'll just say like you, we'll just say competing and surfing. Like, Hey, look, you got to get, you know, like, look, if you don't make this heat, Damien, you are going to fall off tour. Your sponsor are going to have, you're not going to pay, you know, your, the bills, the mortgage, whatever it is. And that fear can come in and actually cripple your whole performance and everything that God's given you the ability to do. And so I could look at it like, that which was be the really wrong way or i could look at it as like no 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 lord thank you for this opportunity that i even get to be on this beach and have a chance to make it back on the tour with this heat i'm not gonna let you down this is gonna be the most funnest thing i get to do all year i get to put it online like this what an opportunity Thank you, Jesus. So it's a spiritual transformation through gratitude. This is one of the ways that you manifest faith in your life. Is this is what I used to do. Because it creates humility. This is what I used to do when I go to the water's edge, when that big heat happened, when everything was on the line. That's how I looked at it. And the same way with, like, going to big waves, you know? Like, that was cool. Like, where it was a lot of different fear, you know? But I was like, oh, Lord, like, how cool is this, like? I'm going to get to ride like one of these mountains that you like <laughs> created where it goes through this canyon and then hits this reef or whatever it was. And like, oh my gosh, like you're bigger than all this. And and really just having that faith to be like, dude, he's got it. You know, like, I mean, obviously like you're going to use like, you know, and it says count the cost, you know, and do that. But like when that desire's there and, and it's like, undoubtedly like look dude he's he's created this path for you like i'm not gonna let fear cripple me on the potential that he's given me um and we do that in life and then when you get that fear it all starts with fear it all starts with fear and then all of a sudden people are like when do i get this anxiety and this you know whether it's depression or you know and i'm talking i've had it you know like not to certain extents but like a lot of a lot of times that's how it like starts with fear and, and really just having that faith to be able to overcome it. Faith through gratitude. Gratitude, surrendering, um, to realizing like, hey, look, it's bigger than you. Um, have you almost died in the surf? I imagine you must have come close to feeling like this is it because oh, yeah. such I mean, huge waves. No, I mean, like a couple of times, you know, like, like a cloud break or, or um, well, like, Punta de Lobos or something like uh, that. Or? Tahiti, for sure. You know, obviously, like getting like I slammed into the reef at Chopu. Yeah, like was like gonna go. Then I thought this guy was gonna go, and he pulled back and then I tried to go again and then I was like oh I'm not gonna make it let me pull back and all of a sudden I was just like slow motion and just got 
oh sucked over straight into the reef and then like hit my butt and then it felt like i like jumped from a building and then like hit my butt and then um got slammed back and then actually broke my scalpula in like three different places and then hit my head and blacked out and it, was, it wasn't a contest time and uh and just uh dude it was and just was out and then all of a sudden i guess i guess it wasn't my time somehow like came to the surface and was like felt like god just like blew like cool air across my eyes and like somehow i woke up in the lagoon and i was like what the heck just happened and i felt my head i was like oh what then i could like put my hand like in my head like oh my god something gnarly just happened just stay cool stay with it like and just keep your eye on the point and i just started heading to the point and i was just paddling paddling and you're paddling with a broken scapula yeah it is a painful thing and um but i had shoulder injuries before and knocked it out and i was like it was a really weird one because i was thinking like gosh it kind of feels like my arm came out of saga but when it comes out of saga you can't use it and I was like, wow, it's like, it felt like it came out of socket, but I'm like using it. Like, well, this is pretty cool. I get to use my arm to paddle in. And, and uh, cause other times I hadn't been so fortunate to be able to paddle with two arms, but, and then someone in the channel saw what happened and there was like a jet ski. There was like one jet ski and he came around and got me and then like brought me to the boat. And, but yeah, that was one time, you know, and like, even at that one, I think it was the first Nazare contest when, uh, um, I was on the back of the ski with one of the guys and we just flew up this wave and uh, I was like, I don't know, like someone said, I was like, dude, I think you guys were like 20 feet in the air, but the guy didn't really realize that. I was like trying to hold my board and the guy jumped off and then all of a sudden I was like, oh shoot, like I'm in midair with the jet ski. I'm like, and it sucks when you're on the sled because it's harder to get away from the jet ski tried to get away from it pushed away from it thought i did a good enough job and but then everything was just slow-mo and i was like oh and then all of a sudden felt like a ton of bricks just fell on me and i blacked out didn't know what happened somehow like my vest kind of inflated and i came to, and then like and then i came to and i was like oh, what? and i was like well i'm in like a gnarly spot couldn't see the jet ski couldn't see the driver and Someone must have radioed from the tower, like, hey, look, this guy just had a gnarly wipeout. It was kind of down the beach, so you couldn't see it as good. And then um, Abe Lerner came, and I just was like, oh, dude, like, this is my one ticket out of here. Like, don't lose this pickup. And I was able to get on the back, went to the beach, and then I was just like, ah, oh, dude. It was like a semifinal heat, and I was like, I'm not serving. You guys just start the heat without me. I'm done. <laughs> And yeah, you know, so it's just those things where you just like, you realize like, you know, yeah, you could have died, but like, if you're here on this earth, you're here for a reason, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. just, but then I always say like, dude, you could get on the freeway and die. Like, it's yeah. like, there's probably more chance of me getting in my car and getting damaged than any big wave event, Yeah, any surf I could ever paddle out in. So I don't really like trip on any of that stuff. Yeah. Boardroom listeners, thanks for uh, bearing with me here as we take this quick break. I want to tell you about RideList. RideList is this great new app for your iPhone. You can download it and browse all of the snowboards, camera equipment, surfboards, 
art and collectibles, bike gear, photo gear, plenty of cool stuff on here. I just checked out what was going on today, and I found, fittingly, a bunch of cool snowboards on here. There's a Jones Hovercraft 160, a Capita Spring Break Powder Glider, and a Splitboard by Jones. And some of the surf gear I saw, a Slater Designs Tomo Sci-Fi, it's 6.1, basically brand new. And a really cool Rusty Surfboards Mi Amigo Twin Fin, which is 6.2. And that's definitely in my wheelhouse regarding volume. This app was created for guys and gals like you and me, people who ride and who appreciate good equipment and want to get it for a fair value. Rideless. Download the Rideless app. Start selling, swapping, and buying gear with like-minded individuals. It's fast, it's easy, it's free. Ride list. Download it. Download it today. And now back to the podcast. What was your best year on tour? I, my, from what I remember, and I don't know if this is the – you know, it was actually – I think I got the worst placing. Was this one – well – one year I was like, I think I could, I think I'm kind of can position myself like to get a good run at the world title. I forget what year it was, but so I just served Chile, and I was second in the 2005. Yeah, okay, yeah. And Andy won that contest, yeah. and I was second in the world. After that, I got second, but I broke my kneecap in that final, and. um uh, I kind of like caught a wave. It was like one of the first waves of the final. Fell, did the old starfish to like try not to hit the bottom. And there was like a pinnacle sticking up. And it like perfectly hit my kneecap uh. and cracked it. But it wasn't like a crazy crack. I still was able to surf the heat and like kind of surf the heat. Yeah. And then um, but then got in and all of a sudden it kind of blew up, you know, and then went. And like they're like, oh, you. So I was like, oh, I got injured, but there is this little break. I think before J-Bay had started, and I was like, oh, maybe I can, like, stay with it. So I went to I went to Kramer, you know, this doctor in Newport. Dr. Warren Kramer, yeah. yeah. A- a- amazing doctor. He's probably put half the tour back yeah, together. Yes, but he was yeah. like, hey, look, it's not, it's, it's not too far apart where, like, look, if you just let it heal – It'll heal, and you won't need surgery. And it's pretty gnarly when you do surgery on that bone because I got to cut into your um, whatever that tendon is, whatever that like band is right there. Yeah. And like when you go in there, sometimes scar tissue forms, and it's like some people won't, you know. I guess running backs, a lot of like NFL people, when they damage that and they got to go on and fix it, they're kind of almost like they lose a step. Mm-hmm. They're almost not the same. So it's like let's just not like if we don't have to do surgery, let's not do it. So I let it heal. I miss J Bay. But I knew to like have a chance of the world title, I needed to go back and surf um, lowers to compete the rest of the year and really give myself a good shot. So, Miss J Bay, it was like lowers just about to come around, and the doctor was like, "Dude, I don't know. You might want to wait, but maybe like I know you want to do this event. Like I would say wait, but like it's your choice, you know." And I was like, "I think I'm good. I'm gonna go back." went to have like a free serve right before uh, the event and the because that whatever tendon or whatever you call it so powerful it's like one of the most powerful one in your whole body where it healed it ripped it back apart and i was and 
I went free surf and I felt it. Like uh-huh. tried to do this layback and I just felt it go kunk. And I was like, so my season was done. Mm. So personally, doubt I felt like was the year I number four my... in the world that year. That's how you ended. That was no, your... I, think I have. That... That's what I have in my notes. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the next year. Oh, uh, maybe because actually I missed the rest of the, the rest of the year, and I was like, I still qualified, but I was like twenty something. Mm. But the next year you won Fiji. Maybe the next year was the year I got fourth, or maybe it was like the opposite. I got fourth. I think maybe I got fourth one year, and then the next year I was like, okay, I'm setting myself up good for a good run. And then I felt like I did that, and then I got injured. But yeah. whatever, it's yeah. all yeah, it's all blends into one year, really. You know what's an interesting year is 2001 mm-hmm. because of 9-11. What was the tour like that year? I mean, I, from, a, from the media's perspective, I remember it was crazy. Mm. Was there – People were fearful. Was there uh, animosity towards nation states? Like, was was what was it like on tour that year? I mean, I remember Al Hunt said some stuff. Everyone kind of got a little crazy. We all got a little crazy uh-huh. that year. And of course, your brother won the world title that year, two thousand one nine eleven year. So, do you recall that year? Is that a year where you go, yeah, that was that was chaos, going to canceling Europe and all of that? Yeah, you know what? Um, um, it's um. Probably a bit different for me, but I just remember like, who's killer? We're like, you know, or we had just started out. You know, I think it was like our second or third year. Maybe it was CJ's third year, my second year. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're like, this is our dream. We're like, oh my gosh, we made it the first year. CJ's on his, I'm, you know, CJ's on his third year. I'm on his second year. It's best thing ever. And we're just like, woo, just super stoked. And I mean, we just would like, oh we just love these contests. We loved it, you know? And then I remember like, um, Europe was coming around and then nine 11 happened super tragic and just like super despair. And, but, um, a little bit, I think a little bit, they were like, they'd played some of the NFL games. I think I remember like, Hey, let's get back at it. Let's play games, you know? And, and was, the world series too. Right? Yeah. With George Bush threw out the first pitch. Yeah. And Yankee so it was State. like, which was really cool because it's like, hey, look, you still got to get back to work. You still got to get back with life. You can't let this fear cripple you and not even allow you to come out of your house. You know, let's 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 get back to it. And then so I was thinking, well, maybe maybe we'll like get back it with surfing because like, and that's this was just like we were just like the, we loved it, you know. So I was remember in Florida like getting ready, like woo, this is gonna be cool, kind of gnarly. We don't know how traveling is gonna be. Exactly. This is like crazy, but like our love and desire was was way greater than the fear. Yeah. You know, and so we were like, you know, let's let's look, get started. NFL's doing it. They'd like let's let's do this. You know, and then all of a sudden like nope, we're canceling the whole year of leg, and then we're like oh, we were kind of bummed. But then I remember going, well, you know what? We got to respect everybody, and if this is the if this is the collective thing that everyone chose, even though we don't, we didn't want it. But like, hey, we have to respect people. They've been here way longer than us. They're trying to do the best for the organization, the best for all the families. We're just some kids that are just just got on and just stoked. So it's definitely kind of a bummer. But then we looked at it and we're like, well, you know what? Let's just get back at work ourselves. Let's let's get perfect our craft. Let's 
surf. We're going to travel. We'll go to, I think we went to Indo. We'll, like, get after these swells that a lot of times you're not able to do when you're doing a bunch of contests. So that's what we ended up doing. Yeah. And the following year, as you may recall, 2002 at Lowers, it was pumping, right? And it, I think mm. we had the contest on 9-11. Like, it was yeah, part yeah, of the yeah, waiting yeah, group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke Egan won the event. You may recall. I do pumping. remember. It. That was like Jason maybe the Murray's best lowers yeah. Yeah, ever. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Was that a special time for you? Did it feel like the tour was kind of – I remember being there and being moved by it. You know, like everyone was having these moments where there was the flag raising, and I think they may have even done the national anthem. Yeah. It was pretty – I don't want to say patriotic, but there was a lot of – like it just felt like the tour was kind of coming together. I don't know what were your feelings on the lowers. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was all that. What you just said. I felt all that, and everyone was coming together. The really sport was like really starting to, you know, the Kelly Andy kind of thing was just barely starting, and there was just like we were kind of like, you know, like the whole serving was kind of getting ushered into this new stage almost, and. You know what was crazy about that year was, dude, every stop we went to, the waves were pumping. It was like, it had been flat for months, and you guys came, and it was the best waves had in 10 years. Dude, we'd hear that like every event. And, oh, cool. and it was like, even, even by the time we got to lowers, we're like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> still going off? Like, we just rolled up, and it was like, you know, best lowers for eight like, to 10 feet. like five days in a row. Yeah. We're like, are you kidding me? So that's what I remember. Yeah. Your best finish at Pipeline, I believe, was third in 2012, one of your last years, if not your last year on tour. Um, um, Pipe always eluded me, man. I, I really felt like I was going to, like, win that contest. Like, that was, like, for me, that was kind of like Tahiti, Pipe, well, you had one cloud break and you had one yeah, and Tahiti. Cloud break. And this feels like okay, next step. Like, yeah, these to me, these, hollow left. Well, Although, to me, these were like the grand slams of exactly. surfing. And yeah. like, I looked at those events like, you know, and, and this is just for myself. I'm not yeah. saying everyone has to look at them like right. this is for myself. I sure. was like, these are the ones. Yeah. You know, these like are, these are the majors? These are the majors. You've mentioned yeah. three events. What would be the fourth major? Um, you I, mentioned pipe. Cloud Rick and, and uh Chopu. I thought Jay Bay was uh was was a major too. Yeah, I would agree. Um would it be interesting if they did something like that, allocated more points and designated those four events as majors? I mean maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean maybe that could be really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously uh I wouldn't really know, you know, but I kind of in my head those were those things. I felt like Everyone, a lot more people were watching. There was a lot more on the line. It was, you know, a, a wave that we all dreamed of surfing, and there was barely anyone out. You know, you were surfing with one or two other guys, and yeah. so it was just kind of really just checked a lot of boxes for me. Those different spots, and so, but pipe was one of those ones that like eluded me like pretty heavy. Like I thought I was, I was good enough to compete and win there um at least in my mind obviously other people might have different things but in my mind i thought that for sure yeah and i never it never happened yeah you know but it's just life yeah you know third place isn't bad it's obviously not a win not what you were hoping uh, for but 
you know, and, and as you know better than me, the pipe event, especially in the 2000s, was usually backdoor. I mean, occasionally there'd be a West set, a West swell for like one day, or like mm. round three or something. But generally, but but look, I don't mean to. T- I've seen you surf backside. You, frankly, it could be argued that you're better backside than you are frontside. Um, well, thank you for that. And um, and yes, you are exactly right about pipe. It was it, to win. You had to go backdoor, and I actually dedicated a lot of time, a lot of my my craft at knowing how to surf backdoor, knowing which waves, knowing how to ride it, how to do it, because I felt like there was a time where I was really that was going to be the one thing that that was going to allow me to win that contest. And I really felt like, yeah, like, look, you're really starting to get it. This is, this is, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna figure it out, and this is gonna allow you to win the contest. You know, obviously in my mind, it never happened though. <laughs> <laughs> Who was Damien Hobgood's rival on tour? Who did you hate surfing against? Um, you know, when I really looked at it, it was myself. You know, that's, like that's not a good answer. <laughs> Not just teasing. like I because there were so many times I realized like looking back how much I was in my own head yeah and how like I realized that a lot of times I needed like cut. must have been a scrappy somebody though that you generally went oh yeah oh. I mean there's like so like, it was myself and then like after that it was you know um yeah I'm trying to think but see all I, I don't really mine was different though because it was always like it was super scrappy, but there was never any love lost. There was never like like Nathan Hedge, like Hedge and I do. We would battle like nobody else, but we were still really good friends. Yeah, you know, we still even had each other's back. But, but like Hedgehog was one of those guys though that was yeah. always tactically in your head and moving around you and just kind of getting in your space and yeah, and it was like. But then, but then in the end, I always like, I kind of, I kind of liked it because then it helped bring the best out of me. And then it was like, well, who am I to judge on how he's going to tactically win this heat? If this is the, this is a tactic he's using, like, I can't judge that. Like, you know, and if he's out of the rules, then the judge is going to do what they do, you know? And so like. I can't judge him for doing that. And so I always just looked at it that way and really was able to like um, even put it back on myself. Like if someone did something that I didn't see coming and I would like, well, you underestimated that guy. You, that's on you. That's not on him, you know? And so I just kind of took it more like, like that. And um, so I never really kept anything personal. I never really like, you know, even with the judges, you know, it's like, um, you have to move past all that every contest every year because if not, you'll get hung up and you see it happen. You know, someone, you know, this judge wronged me or this and that and they never move on and you're, they're kind of stuck and it actually ends up hindering their whole career, you know, and I was never going to let anyone do that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Did you feel you'd been wronged before as far as a subjective score during a heat? Of course, everyone's going to feel that way at some point, you know. But you have to know that, hey, look, the same people that are judging are only human. You know, they're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you know, you might go ask them why or whatever. And, you know, and and they may not agree with you, but it is an art. So, like, that's just what it was, you know. And I never really, like, never let that hang over last very long. I don't think people realize um, how close the judges are to the competitors as far as just their, their space, like, mm-hmm. especially like at, um, at Fiji, like at cloud, like when the event's happening in Fiji and you've yeah. got a crew in the motu and a crew. Into, I mean, the judges are eating and drinking and taking boat rides. I mean, it's pretty, pretty much a small little family, at least as I recall, is, is that true throughout the tour or is that just a Fiji thing? I mean, obviously it was closer in Fiji and, um, uh, but yeah, you know, I never really got that close. You know, I was always cordial to like, you know, all my competitors, judges, whoever it was. Um, but, um, personally, I never got really like close to like in, close to any of them or really like, I just felt like it wasn't really the right thing to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so like I never really did. And, um, but yeah, it's just the way it was, you know, it's just the way it is. And I'm sure there's other sports that are the exact same way, you know, it's like yeah. they're in the end, I'm going to try to do the best job I can do. And then they're going to try to do the best job they can do. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I always felt like genuinely, genuinely like all the judges were trying to do the best job they can do. Sure. You know. What about the tour now? Is this something that you follow? Are you an active fan of the the WCT tour? Or do you watch the webcasts? Or are you engaged? Um, I mean, definitely for that first year, I actually kind of had to stop. I mean, the first almost two years, I kind of had to be like, I'm not gonna, because I was too involved. I was too, I was, it was too close. I was too involved. So I kind of stopped. And then, but, um, cause I was kind of watching it with all the wrong manner, you know, like, like, I wasn't enjoying it. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should be there or, or you know, whatever it was. I can't even really remember, but I stopped. But now I, I do watch um, if I have, when I have the time and, yeah. it, and it works out and, and just really try to enjoy it. You know, um, I really enjoy watching uh, the younger kids, um, you know, and like Holly Eva. I didn't get to watch that much of it, but I did watch some of the final day a little bit. Yeah. But it was almost just like, Watching the kids, like, okay, this kid made it. That was his, like, dream. And to, like, like Jake Marshall, do you mean? Or? Yeah, so I was a huge fan of Jake. Like, I'm mm-hmm. um, uh, really hoping he gets a good result in Sunset yeah. and is able to pull it off. And, you know, uh, was it Seth Moniz mm-hmm. that got on tour? He's got enough points. That's cool. Um, just really seeing, like, young kids kind of fulfill their dreams. Do you and, see yourself as, as a 
in a coaching role for somebody like Jake or any of these guys? I mean, you've got decades of experience. Is this um, something that interests you, or is this going to take you back to that place that you're trying to kind of yeah. move beyond? Okay, yeah. So it was funny. So right when I stopped, I started doing some of that, you know? And then I realized that what you just said, I realized this is taking me right back to where, like, I kind of need to move on. Yeah. You know? So I did a bit of I did a little bit of it, and then I was like, no, nah, dude, you just, like, you're just returning to that same thing with just you just mm-hmm. read put on a different outfit yeah but, like yeah. instead of drinking beer now you're drinking whatever you're drinking yeah. wine, wine spitzers or whatever yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe that's a little too far to say that, but that's kind of how i like felt yeah. you know and so i was like nah like you're not you, you're not doing it for the right reasons you know you're like yeah you're investing in these kids but you're you're kind of wanting to get paid too you're not really like and then you kind of want to surf a little bit too. You know, you're not like really, really for the right reason. So I, I ended up stopping that and we're just helping kids out where like if it worked out and just yeah. local, you know, and, and, um, and then moved from that. And now I've only lately got to a point where I'm like, you know what? Like, I feel like my heart's in the right place where I can come back and really like, um, be able to instill like a lot of good things in these kids and, 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 but to me, it's like, can be anyone, you know, a lot of times people look at it as like, oh, it's, it needs to be like a professional or a guy that's going to make the tour. Like I'm a, a assistant coach for a Santa Fe Christian surf team, mm-hmm. their high school surf team. Yeah. You know, that was where I was like, felt like, Okay, I could start here, you know. Who's the head coach? <laughs> Why aren't you the head coach? <laughs> I didn't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's my first year. Okay. You know? Got to pay like, your dues. Yeah, exactly. You don't, like, step in. And I, and I don't know how it goes. And I don't know how, you know. Yeah. You know, like. So, yeah, I just. But I, you're I, right. I, it's almost like you could. it could be. It, it's more of a psychologist role as much as it is anything. The kids know how to do aerials. Yeah. It's can we get them in the, in the right frame of mind so that they can execute? Totally. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's it right there. You yeah. know, like anyone can do, that's what I think. Like anyone can do the, you know, the competitive side. And then the technical side, a lot of people can, a lot of people have kind of figured that one out, you know. Um, but then the the mental and even like spiritual side is like a whole other realm, you know. And that's what can get in like the psychology of it all. And that's what really like... Um, really kind of excites me you know and kind of really like where i can like um or i think not i can add the other stuff but i think i could help with the other with the the other stuff too you know and well um, i think the psychology part of it is the biggest missing piece there's a million kids that rip as you mm -hmm. know and there's a million kids that can put on a jersey and go oh the peak's coming in on the left side of the water i'll go over there and surf that left you know like that's not that hard yeah but it's the kid that that goes, oh, no, I feel like crap inside because I'm less or whatever. You know, so it's the psychology, psychology part, I think, that's the huge missing factor. Totally. And you, in, in the the cool thing, which was like I like watching like J-Bay and even like the wave pool contest because the psychology part, these long waves that take a long time to come in, you might only have one chance. All of a sudden, the psychology and the fear and the doubt 
really creep in. And that's when you can really watch people like what's going on inside. And uh, to me, that's cool to watch. Yeah. Um, which was uh, actually one of the main reasons why I watched the the, the Kelly Sutter Wave Pool contest because I was really looking at that because you can really see who's really mentally tough. Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, I, I think you're that? onto something there. there. There's a lot to be said that, and you could see that. You could see guys that kind of choked up a little bit and maybe weren't on their sort of sparky best, mm-hmm. and it was because of what's between their ears. It's, we've seen them rip the crap out of many waves around the world. Why didn't they do it this one time? Yeah, and you got that all that time. It's one wave. It's right there. You you can hear the train starting or whatever it is, and it's just like all that how do you with all that how do you just let go yeah. and just be in the moment yeah yeah so you um well we've been talking a little bit about the wave pool i'm of the opinion i'm okay with the wave pool being on tour however i have mm-hmm. a caveat if the wave pool is going to be on tour and i want it to be i also th- think the best surfers in the world should have to surf a big wave event as part of the tour. I want my world champion as a fan, as an end user of the WSL, I want to be able to go, I know John John Florence can shred Jaws, mm-hmm. or I know Gabe can probably pig dog the crap out of it at YMA or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just want that because maybe it's because I'm a little older and I remember, you know, whoever, Kong yeah, and all those yeah, guys yeah. and you. And, 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 and frankly, I do believe that nine out of ten guys can surf a big wave event, <clears throat> like say at Puerto Escondido, mm-hmm. and do well in, in advance. And so, what are your thoughts about a big wave stop? Just one being on tour, making the best surfers in the world perform the way they used to have to do, a la like MR at Waimea during the Billabong Pro, or you know any other mm-hmm. series of events that happened back then. Big waves on tour. What do you think? Just one spot. Yeah, I think. Um... I think you got a lot of like, that's a great valid point. Um, just knowing and, and I think it could even just be like, you know, and I think we kind of tried to do that. You know, that's why we hung on the sunset so long. Um, sunset hasn't been on the CT in a long time. No, I know, but that's kind of like, I felt like back, back in the then, day, that's why, they hung, yeah. that's why we were like, we'd always try to like hang on to that because it was really kind of you versus the ocean type yeah. wave instead of this kind of you manipulating kind of tricking it was just kind of so yeah i do think they're they're um you know it you know and there's you know tahiti could necessarily kind of you know big pipe can kind of go in that realm a little bit um but i mean when you have to when you have to ride a seven eight or something you know like even in tahiti what's the biggest board you're riding yeah, you're a six ten exactly or like i'm six, talking eight. about yeah. heavy lumber like Big open ocean sunset West Peak stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would love. I mean, I think that would be really cool. I would love to see it. Um, I just, I, I kind of like my brain goes back to like logistics. Yeah, you know, and so like, I think, I think it would be really cool. But there would just be, there would almost need to be some type of like ski, a ski. Involved? No, like kind of rotating. Like, how do you? Yeah. How do you offer that? Yeah. And it actually come through. Well, I've thought about this for a while. Mm-hmm. My feeling is every August, if you just have a pretty fat waiting period in August at, at Puerto Escondido, mm-hmm. it's always 25 feet, at least one weekend in August. or what, Like for three days in a row, it's you know 20 feet, 
20 feet, then maybe it's 12 to 15. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, Port Escondido seems like a no-brainer for me sometime in the summertime, August or September. Porto's a tricky one, though, because I have competed there. Yeah. And um, when it's really big, it's just gnarly because it can just be like straight closeouts, you know. And so, like, you're kind of just waiting. And um, I think it needs to be at one of those good venues. because like Jaws? Yeah, because it's it kind of turns into like, because even like when I when I was like competing, I was like, well, like, hey, look, I'm going out here, and if a good wave comes to me, and it's and I got a chance to make it, like, I'm gonna go. But no way am I going on a straight closeout right. to get the three or the four to make the heat. Right, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Well, to competing to compete in Porto and that and even like a 45 minute time frame. You basically are going to get one chance at one good wave, and you're going to have to go on a closeout for your backup score. Yeah. The chances of getting two good waves, just it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I was like, I realized, like, dude, why am I even competing in this contest? Like, all these guys would go on closeouts. I'm not going to go on closeout. I don't want to, like, I'm not going to risk that. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm out here to catch maybe the wave of my life. I'm out here to catch a really good wave. Yeah. And so then I realized, like, oh, this is probably not, like, I'm probably not the best competitor that you guys chose to be here. Right. You could probably pick a, a better guy that's going to go on the one, go on these closeouts. And that's when I kind of realized, like, you know what, like, maybe this this big wave tour. And, and then I also was like, you know what, I'm not going to paddle around people. I'm not going to, like, hustle and, like, jockey and try to, like, play, like, that game was I, that happening were other guys doing that oh yeah, yeah. it's like gnarly and yeah. so then i realized like you know what i'm not going to be that guy that does that either so like even when the waves are really good like i don't think i'm like i'm gonna wait my turn and like i just didn't so i was just kind of like you know what like this is not this is not really me yeah you know and i mean it in the sense that those guys are gnarlier than me yeah like they're gnarlier than me. Yeah. And so I kind of like don't, I'm not saying that as in like a condescend. I'm not saying no, that no, as that's, like. Yeah. There's just humility there. There's right sizeness. Yeah. Like there could be someone better than me that, that could put on a better performance. Right. Um, than me. And I'm just not as committed as I should be for this. Um, and just because I'm going to go more on the side of like judgment, maybe, you know, like I know when you go on that closeout, that's going to hurt. Yeah. I, and I know it all can hurt, but I want to give myself, I'm not just here to give myself a chance to catch a really amazing wave. Well, I've kept you for a long time here, Dan. I know. It felt like this was like the longest thing I've ever done. <laughs> it's pretty long. It's pretty long. We're almost finished. I got okay. one more question for you. I didn't you. know if it was in my mind. Like, maybe it's not that long and you just think it's really long. No, I'm just that boring. That's what it is. No, I was like, I didn't know. I was like, well, maybe it has been a long time. Though. It's been a long time. Um, you're part of Surfade International's sort of ambassador team, I guess I could mm-hmm. say. Um and you're going on this Omaze fundraiser trip that Surfade offered, and I believe some guy in North Carolina won the yeah. won the thing. Weird. I don't know. Do you know the guy? I don't know, yeah. but yeah. yeah, it was cool. I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I was from North Carolina. Yeah. So um, you're going to Cabo. You're going with Rob Machado, Tim Curran, and I believe mm-hmm. this guy, and probably some other people. I don't know, but mm-hmm. um, and then on the 
the notes that the people at Surfay gave me, it says there's going to be surfing, fishing, and music. And I'm interested in what is your role with the musical part of it. I understand the surfing and the fishing, but well, that's what, cool. what are you going to sing? Are you going to sing with, and Rob and Tim play guitar? No, but that's a cool thing. I'm like, hey, look, you guys get the music thing. Fishing. No, no, no. You're doing music. That's what I heard. <laughs> no, 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 no. You guys got the music thing. Anything that comes to fishing, I got you guys. You know, I can, I'll be like, I'll be clapping in the stands. I spoke with Rob. He told me that you're going to be doing music. That's all I'm telling you. So yeah. get your well, musical game about together. As much as I do, maybe give me like a little salt and pepper shaker at the most. But <laughs> I told What's the, the best song ever. Best song ever. Your favorite <laughs> song of all time. Of all time. What's the wow. best song ever? I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, I don't. I don't even really. Earlier in your, I don't know if it was, I don't want to say earlier in your career, but for whatever reason, some surf magazines had you pinned as you and your brother's country and Western music bands. So is there some old school like Waylon Jennings or something? Uh, that, no. Merle Haggard? You know like, I think I'm just like. <laughs> you know what? As I've gotten older, I seriously just like. I was, I think it's called like K Wave or something. It's like full just Christian music. Yeah. And those is kind of all I listen to lately. Just like praise music. Yeah, because I realize like if I'm not like having like good thoughts yeah. and like in my head and like really like listening to like because I had this conversation with my daughter the other day and she was like listening to something and she's like it was some rap or something and it was kind of like and I love rap but I just I, at my older age, I was like, I realized, like, I can't. Yeah, it's list, nag. I can't. Your spirit's that. convicted a little. Because when I like, well, no, it's just when those negative things come in my head, like, and I was, trying, I was like, hey, when those negative things come in, like, those thoughts like sit there, and then they can like come out as negativity, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I just can't do that anymore, you know. And like, you could do it fine, like that yeah. might be fine for you, but for me, like, when they're talking about like such and such to a woman or girl or something like those are thoughts i don't need to have in my head like yeah. you know like that's not healthy and and so like i and so as i gotten older like it's kind of like what i listen to so i've kind of like removed myself from a lot of like um pop culture kind of like any type of negative music that um kind of puts anyone down or puts uh, yeah. I don't know what I understand. I'm saying, but yeah. yeah. So, so there is no best song ever is what you're telling me. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. So I kind of just forgot. Yeah. Really. I'm All saying right. I forgot. And uh, and then also just, yeah, I'm not I'm not like a, I'm not a, that like musically, I'm not musically talented by any means. I can barely keep beat in church, mm-hmm. like barely. And so like, I don't really have uh, music. When was the last time you danced? Like with your wife? Like where, where you're like, we're dancing. Um, actually last night. She was kind of having a rough night. And uh, and I just gave her a hug. And then I was like, and then we, I was like hugging her. And I was just like, hey, let's dance. And I started dancing. Because <laughs> it makes you feel good, that's right? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's right. Like music, you know, dancing. What about dancing in public? When was the last time you danced in public? I don't know. Probably Kolohe and Dino's wedding. Mm, all right. Yeah. Shaking it down. But I'm really bad at dancing. Yeah. You know? But as long mm. as 
it was it was a lot of great people and yeah so it was cool well, we've said a lot, Damien. We've said a lot. What's your role, Salty Crew? Are you are you a part owner? Are you an ambassador? What do you do? I'm with just Salty an ambassador. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. um, they're out of San Diego. Yeah, my those brother, guys are great. My brother has some uh, ownership there, and I'm kind of just I just say I'm the cheerleader, man. Oh, cool. And it's uh, they've been a really like blessing in my life, and and even on top of that, I got a real job actually, and I'm a sales rep for Superlock. It's uh, valves and fittings. Mm-hmm. It's actually Tim Curran's father-in-law owns the company. Yeah. And um, he gave me a chance. Yeah. And I had a real job and it's been really cool. I really like, I work with uh, a lot of like hardworking, like blue collar guys. It's what exactly like, does Superlock? What it, you said so valves and fittings? Yeah, it's valves and fittings. So it's basically like, I get, it's um, high end plumbing. Oh, it's plumbing. Okay. Like high-end plumbing. So like all okay. these like biotech, um, oh, pharmaceutical, like oh. all these places like we have from like Oceanside. Sure. Like it's all over down here. It is. It's big. San Diego's big with biotech. Yeah. yeah so um, anything that they like are making mm-hmm. has to go through a process. Right. And they use our stuff to make oh, cool. whatever they're making. Cool. So I saw that. In, um, You're in biotech sales. I guess you can yeah, say that, but it's like let's say that. Let's just say that. Yeah, but yeah, but then you, but then it's like it's also basically any gas or high pressurized mm. gas or liquid inadvertently uses this stuff. Cool. And um, so yeah, that's been really cool. That was another way. I just was like, you know what? Like, I need to like step away from surfing. Yeah. And just go and like, what can it give me? Like, let's get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Let's step into another area. Um, and then in return, you'll be able to be able to come back, come back to surfing with a better perspective. Yeah. Um, cool. But by doing that and it's been, it's been really cool. It's been really cool. Super humbling. Like walking into like cold call, walking into this big building, the receptionist is, is basically there to shut you down. She's like, he or she's like a security guard. And so just really like. Kind of humbling myself in that whole manner, yeah. just being like, "Yeah, you remember when people like actually wanted to talk to you? You're gonna go in this place, and this person's gonna do whatever they can do to do the exact opposite." Do you wear a suit and tie? Do you, what, do you put on the Dockers and go in there? No, like, I just, what's your it's look? Super cool. It's just like just like that jeans and a and a and I have like a like a sailor shirt, and even yeah. I wear a sweatshirt. Right, I got like a sweatshirt I can wear. There's no really like like I said, it's a lot of like. Um, hard-working like blue-collared people that yeah. that do this stuff so yeah. it's like it's really just some it ends up being more just some good old boys half the time mm. you know yeah. and um so it's been it's been cool all right okay well damien hobgood thanks so much for being here i really appreciate it good stuff thank you scott i appreciate it
I want to profusely thank those of you who have donated to the Boardroom Podcast. We are extremely grateful. 
You can help us continue to make the Boardroom Show podcast by donating. We simply ask for a $5 a month recurring donation using PayPal or any amount that you can afford. We really appreciate it. $5 a month, roughly the same price as one cup of crafted and curated coffee. You can donate using PayPal, our email address, DTL, DTL at downthelineradio.com, DTL at downthelineradio.com using PayPal. Thank you so much.